This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only nationally syndicated golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by Acura, precision crafted performance. Acura, celebrating 30 years in Canada. Visit Acura.ca for the 2018 lineup and dealership incentives. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakito and Bob Weeks. And good evening and welcome to GTC. Can't get used to that yet, Scully. Not yet. It's Not only yet. week two, but this good evening thing. <laughs> you know, it's usually, Wide awake. Usually good morning, Canada. Yeah. Now, you know, we are in the middle of uh, this World Cup yeah. season. Yeah. And uh, I guess we can call it World Cup season, right? Sure. Tournament, yeah. Yeah. whatever. It's like a month long. Yeah. So, you know. And because of that, here we are in prime time on oh, the yeah. TSN radio network. Under the lights, too. Uh, under yeah, the yeah. lights, yeah. yes. And uh, thank you for everyone tuning in, regardless of where you're tuning in from. You're hearing us on a Tuesday night, a Wednesday night. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those across the TSN radio network. And uh, thanks for tuning in with us. Uh, absolutely bizarre weekend of golf week off. I mean, like, we could do you know, We shot our one-hour television special, which will run on Wednesday it's our one-hour U.S. Open recap show. It is full of content. You do not want to miss it. It is full of anger and rants as well, which is always a lot of always yeah. always fun. And which you're going to get a lot of tonight. But you know, we could do, we could talk about this U.S. Open for weeks on weeks. And I think we'll be talk just like we did with Aaron Hills, just like we did with Chambers Bay, does just like we did with Oakmont. All really for the wrong reasons. Scully, we mm-hmm. can talk about this one. For everything, for for everything but what we should be talking about, which is an historic win for Brooks Kepka. Well, it's crazy to think that uh, you know on Brooks Kepka that he wins the U.S. Open at 16 under par, then he goes on to win it at one over par. So he's got all facets of his game going. We knew him, we know him as this bomber. He's got he's he's got the the, the golfer's body nowadays. He looks like a he looks like a linebacker, but all facets of his game came together uh, to pull through and win. Yes, the golf course was very interesting this week to be basically four different golf courses, four different days. Four very, different golf. Okay, and and yet basically what you've said about Brooks Kepka is very accurate, and it should be the lead. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, everybody I have spoken to since that final putt dropped on Sunday night, that Brooks Kepka story was buried behind the uh, this the USGA. And their dropping of the ball once again, uh, the Phil Mickelson situation, uh, <laughs> everything but what Brooks Kepka did, and that is unfortunate. We're going to break it down for you this evening. We will put a bow on the U.S. Open and try to make sense uh, as to why we are still down this path mm-hmm. and that the USGA cannot get off. I will sound like a broken record because I know the truth, and I know what needs to be done. The question is, do they know and are ignoring it for some reason? Maybe ego, I don't understand. Or this, are they that in the dark and can't see it? We'll get into that tonight. Uh, new uh, M-Series for Motocaddy was released this week, which is basically the best of everything in, in a very lightweight, compact electric trolley. So Joseph McLucky is going to be on with uh, an hour or two, tells a little bit about this new exciting pro- uh, product. We will also have our free uh, golf giveaway, Muskoka Bay yep. golf giveaway. I should mention Adam Scully with me again this week as Mr. Weeks is in the air 
on his way to Calgary. So Bob will join us in the second hour as well with some thoughts on the U.S. Open. Winner's weird and what? Lots of great stuff, but let's get to some news and headlines. News and headlines is brought to you by Porter Airlines. Now flying direct to 16 Canadian destinations and seven U.S. destinations direct, including Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Visit flyporter.com. Porter Airlines, flying refined. Brooks Kepka, obviously the news lead story. He wins back-to-back U.S. Opens. It's the first time in almost 30 years since Curtis Strange did it in 88 and 89. And really the only two players now of the modern era that have been able to achieve this accomplishment. Um, does it make it more powerful for you, Scully? And is it more of an accomplishment in your mind considering the A, current state of the USGA and its national championship? And B, that Brooks Kepka did this on two completely different, even though they looked the same and in mm-hmm. theory should have played the same, mm-hmm. Two completely different U.S. Opens. I think Brooks really answered that question uh, in one of the post-round interviews. It might have been with Bob when he said, well, everyone had to play the same golf course. So so he was the best player uh, that week. It, it just shows how much of a complete player he is to, to go out and, and have, have these unbelievable par saves and even bogey saves on the 11th hole, the 14th hole, the, the 15th hole. They hit that great wedge into 16. Uh, and, and, you know, a pretty good, uh, after hooking his approach shot on 18, you know, a, a pretty good, uh, up, or uh, not make a bogey there to, to win the championship. Um, you know, it's it's a good win for Brooks, and, and now he's only the third uh, active player under the age of 30 uh, to have over two, to have at least two major wins. That is rarefied yeah. error there, it right? Is. He's with uh, Rory McIlroy with four majors under the age of 30, Jordan Spieth mm-hmm. with three, and now Brooks mm-hmm. Kepka with two. And I think the best, uh, best thing I've heard so far is that, you know, in trying to describe this, he out DJ DJ. That's pretty good. You yeah. know, he just calm, cool, collected, hit it a mile, putted great, never never seemed affected by the pressure mm-hmm. or the difficulties of the of the layout in front of him, and uh, he out-DJ'd DJ. Um, USGA, taking a lot of heat. Uh, four very different days on mm-hmm. a golf course. Two brutal days, two easy days. I'm going to get into this later on in Winner's Weird and What, but in your mind, do... F- Two hard days or two unplayable days, two easy days equal four solid solid days. Because in my mind, that math doesn't line up. No, it doesn't line up to me. And, and, you know, one of the harder days was the Thursday, but you didn't see any players complain after Thursday's round. Mother nature, right? You cannot control the wind. You cannot control mother nature. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday, as many of the guys are saying, they'd lost the golf course. The pins on 13 and 15 were a couple paces they were just plain unplayable, uh, so it, it's it's bizarre really to see the USGA keep making these mistakes as, as you'll get into later uh, in the show. Uh, you know, two of the days, and and as we saw on our in our TV special, to see a pitch mark on sixteen on the final on day the of the final US day Open with two holes to go, you don't see that very often as well. The golf course just looked. I mean, obviously, Core and Crenshaw did a, did a, a very good job, and they they really changed the golf course, but. I don't know. Some parts of it kind of looked a little like Chambers Bay at times with the runoff areas and the color with the it's pole. It's the modern day renovation yeah, is what you're seeing yeah, there. Right? Yeah, and the you know knocking out all those trees so to make it a little more, I guess, linksy in a sense without trees. American links, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was just a bizarre four days of golf, really. In your mind, USGA, half incompetence, <laughs> half ego arrogance 
or is it one or the other? Is this arrogance or incompetence, or is this a blend of the two? Because I, I don't see another option. It's got to be a blend. You, you got to think. I mean, after after so many years, you know, going back to you know what what happened in two thousand four, Shinnecock with balls putting being balls being put balls being put into the bunker. You know, we saw obviously Marion was a great championship, one over winning and less than seven thousand yards, and then all these other fiascos that have happened since Chambers Bay. The greens were dead. Uh, Aaron Hills last year, the course was a. You know, it was just it was a PGA Championship course basically without the wind blowing. Oakmont, the Gong Show with with the USGA officials and and DJ's ball moving. So, it's just a very, it's it's just it's hard to put a word on it. It's just very strange. Uh, Phil Mickelson coming under a lot of heat this yeah. week, um, and rightfully so. Uh, ridiculous uh, display on the 13th green on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Looked absolutely ridiculous. We'll get into it again in Winners Weird or What because I love Beef's reaction to this. Um, I don't believe that he was calculated. I think he was reacting, let his emotions uh, get a hold of him, uh, could not control his emotions, and said, let me just, I want off this golf course, and did something completely ridiculous. And then over the next five holes, after he was slapped with a two-stroke penalty, uh, made up this, what I'm going to say to the media, and I knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I don't believe for a sec that no. it was calculated, knew what he was doing. Uh, USGA decided to go with 14-5, which they're entitled to do. A player striking a moving uh, ball uh, allows him to just go two-stroke penalty and not go to 1-2, which brings in DQ and a bunch of things. Uh, did uh, Three parts here. Did they get it right, USGA? Uh, do you think Phil was calculated in the decision? And If it was you, would you have DQ'd him? Uh, first of all, I, I would have DQ'd him. I, I think it, it, was just, it was just a very poor... Uh, he, he broke the rules, and I mean, if he had stopped the ball on the dime, he would have been DQ. That that's just a rule, right? Um, yeah, the fact that he sh- actually hit it, yeah, s- kind of allowed the USGA a little bit off the hook to go to fourteen five. Mm-hmm. And and uh, rumor has it that Phil called Mike yes. Davis and said, "Should I be WD'd?" And Mike said, "Oh no, 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 you shouldn't." But I mean, if that's if that's Beef Johnson doing that, is I, he DQ? You got to think he is. And that's what you wonder. And that's the big question. Regardless, at the end of the day, it was not Phil's greatest moment. No. I am also, though, I will also go out and suggest, though, with some of the hatred and anger on social media displayed over this, when his playing partner is just laughing Mm -hmm. while this is going on, we're talking about a guy who's like 16 over par and not a factor in this tournament. Some of the hatred and anger online was shocking to me. Mm -hmm. And I said this in our television special that we shot today, which will air tomorrow, is that in an era... Where Phil's contemporaries have been deer antler spray, cocaine abuse, uh, DUIs, Perkins parking lots. Mm-hmm. I, the list can go on forever. We haven't even gotten to Robert Allenby mug shots. Mm-hmm. When we've been in an era where that's what Phil's contemporaries are doing, I was shocked that the Twitter universe decided to get this angry and that upset about this. Mm-hmm. But isn't that social media no. in a yeah. nutshell? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and finally, in news and headlines, uh, Scully, uh, Webb Simpson, Patrick Reed, and Brooks Kepka, they're going to play together this week at the Travelers Championships. We've got the two first major champions of the year along with the Players Champion. There you go. That's a cool little pairing. And you could see all three of them on the Ryder Cup team. Yeah, well. and you could hear me calling the action with that group you're as I was uh, on my way to Hartford to do PGA Tour there Radio this week. So Pump the Ferrari up and you're uh, <laughs> off you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, lots to get to on tonight's show. We will hear from Bob Weeks later on in Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Bob because Bob had the opportunity on Sunday night, immediately after we handed out the hardware to go one-on-one with the U.S. Open champion, Brooks Kepka. We'll get to that next. This is Golf Talk Canada. 
This segment of GTC was brought to you by Acura. Precision crafted performance. Acura, celebrating 30 years in Canada. Visit Acura.ca for the 2018 lineup and dealership incentives. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the TP5 and TP5X Golf Ball. Five layers make it exactly like nothing else. Visit tailormadegolf.ca to switch today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino in studio. Adam Scully in for Bob Weeks. Bob will be joining us in the second hour this evening. Brooks Kepka, now a two-time major champion. Back-to-back U.S. Opens. Last time it was achieved, Curtis Strange, 88-89. Before that, you got to go back to the early 50s, the Ben Hogan. Um, seven people in total have done it over the long history of the U.S. Open. Really only two in the modern era of Strange and Kepka. Um... Only a one PGA Tour win outside those crazy? two majors, which is crazy. Yeah. But at 28 years old, Scully, and now a two-time major champion, and all the physical gifts in the world, and I think proving this week all the all the emotional and mental gifts in the world, which was different than what he showed us at Aaron Hills, the other side of the coin. Number four in the world now, sky the limit for Brooks Koepka? I, I sure think so. And and he mentioned uh, mental strength. Uh, and he going into the week... You know, he didn't think his game was all that good on the course, but he was quoted as saying, there's no one more confident than me. And there, it's not that often nowadays that you see golfers, you know, come out with that sort of, it's almost, it's a cockiness, but it, it's it's the confidence to think that, you know what, I'm going to beat everyone here. And yes, the golf course is completely different than last year. And yes, I only have one regular PGA Tour win, but yet I played on a Ryder Cup, a President's Cup. I hit it a lot longer than a lot of these guys. And and as, as he said, as we're going to hear in this one-on-one, he thinks he's a really, really good putter, and he's got all the confidence in the world. And it's funny how you mentioned, and I don't consider it arrogance. I consider it confidence. There's a difference in the delivery of how the message is. And I'll tell you, when a guy calls himself out like that, it's for real. When he says, verbalizes those things, it's like when someone says, I'm putting great, I'm a great putter, they put themselves on the hook. Mm-hmm. Which tells me they're not scared of that. Which tells me it's real. He embraces it. He embraces yeah. it. So, yeah. Brooks Kepka had the opportunity immediately following hoisting the hardware Sunday night to sit down with our own Bob Weeks. They went one-on-one. Let's hear from the U.S. Open champion. Brooks, congratulations. This course had a lot of different looks to it through the first three days. When you showed up Sunday, what were you expecting? I was expecting to win a golf tournament. Uh, I felt like I was playing very well. I felt like I was in a good place mentally and, you know, I was excited to be out uh, competing for a major. Uh, the first one of the year that I've played, uh, haven't missed Augusta, but uh, it was fun, man. I really enjoyed it and this one is definitely a lot sweeter than was the last. Was the course what you were expecting? I mean, you came off so many different looks from between Thursday and Saturday when you stepped up there. Was it what you expect? Yeah, you know, you watch a little bit of it on TV. Uh, you see guys are spinning the ball. Uh, guys are holding green, so you know it's going to be a little bit uh, softer. Uh, see, see the pin locations are a little bit more in the center of the greens than they, they had been the last three days. Um, and you knew going in that there was going to be some red numbers. And then when you're out there, you see what Tommy did. And then, you know, as we're playing the first couple holes, I, I saw what Patrick was doing very early. And you know that there's birdies uh, out there. You just need to go get them. 
I think a lot of people think of you as primarily a power player, and yet today I would say that it was probably the clubs at the other end of the bag that got it done for you. That up and down, I know it was a bogey, but on 11, up and down on 12, 14, were those the most important clubs for you today? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I feel like I'm probably one of the most underrated putters. Uh, everybody sees, you know, the driver. It's easy to see how long, see how far you hit it. Um, but I'm such a good putter. Uh, inside eight feet, I put the ball very well, very consistent, and you know, it's it shined. I guess um, in the last last year at the U.S. Open and, and this week, it, it really did shine. It saved me <laughs> a bunch of strokes. I know that. And, you know, U.S. Open, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to make some key 10-foot par saves um, and even bogey saves, uh, as I did on 11. Um, you, you mentioned you've missed some golf this year. You had some injuries. And I, someone told me that you said last week that you felt like you were hitting it awful. I don't know if that's true or not. But when you came in here, you're saying that there's nobody more confident out here than me. Why did you say that? I felt like I was in a good place mentally. I felt like my game was in good shape. Uh, anytime you're defending, you're going to have a little bit more excitement to be out here. Uh, first major of the year uh, for me. And, you know, it's I was defending, and all you have all these things that go into it. And, you know, I love U.S. Opens. I love the tough test. Uh, you know, half the guys you can eliminate just because, you know, they're not used to the tough conditions. Mentally, they're going to break down, uh, things like that. And, Anytime you put me on a tough test um, where you're firing away from pins and you know there's disaster around the corner, uh, I, I actually really enjoy that. Was, was your mental strength come from all the stuff, you, all the places you've played? You played in Europe, you played the Challenge Tour, you played all those things. You put yourself in tough situations. Is that where you, where you kind of learned that? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, the road I took isn't exactly easy. Um, you know, nothing's ever really come easy for me. I never never was a guy that was out winning. I always had to fight for something. Um, you know, I didn't win in, in college till my senior year. And then, you know, coming out of the gates, I won a little bit in Challenge Tour. And then you just got to keep elevating your game. Um, you know, I haven't won as much on the PGA Tour as I would have liked. Uh, one PGA Tour and two majors. Uh, sounds kind of funny, but I'll take it. Uh, it's, it's something I just need to work on and, you know, kind of win, win more. Uh, that's, that's the goal right now. There are 137 players who won one major. There are now 38 players who have won two. What does it say to you about Brooks Kepka that you've got two majors now? You're in a special group there. Yeah, it's uh, it's an incredible group of names. Um, when you look at guys that have won multiple majors, it's it's mind-boggling. Uh, I can't even wrap my head around it right now. Uh, it's special that all the names on that list are you know Hall of Fame guys, and you know I've still got a few years in me uh, before I'm done. So hopefully, keep adding to that list. Maybe you'll do it at Carnoustie. We'll see you there. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. Only 28 years old, two majors in the bank, one PGA Tour win, number four in the world, got it done on two American Lynx golf courses, although very different, and now he will focus on what is the next major at Carnasty, which is maybe my favorite Lynx golf course in the world on the open circuit outside of the old course of St. Andrews. Uh, Carnoussi is very special, and now Brooks Kepka will try to uh, go at it again. He will be in the field this week at the Traveler.
Wrestlers Championship in Cromwell, Connecticut at TPC River Highlands. Lots to get to still in tonight's show. Joseph McLucky from JPSM Golf will uh, drop in. We're going to give away free golf at the Muskoka Bay Club. So we'll do the Muskoka Bay free golf giveaway. Bob Weeks will call in for a, a few segments from on the road. Bob, give us his U.S. Open thoughts on the week that transpired at Shinnecock Hills. Lots to get to, but winners weird and what? Three dub coming up next, and I'm sure there is a lot to say in winners weird and what. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by the TP5 and TP5X Golf Ball. Five layers make it exactly like nothing else. Visit tailormadegolf.ca to switch today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by JPSM Golf, Canada's leading distributor of electric walking golf trolleys, including CartTech, MotoCaddy, and Stewart Golf Dream Machines. Visit jpsmgolf.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. A lot still to get to. Weeksy will be calling in. We've got uh, Muskoka Bay Free Golf Giveaway, Joseph McLucky. Lots and lots to break down, but now it's time for three dub winners, weird and what, and Scully, the T is mine. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, Scully, not a lot of positives on the table tonight, but let's start with my winner, and it's just basically the reaction in the comments from Andrew Beef Johnson. This guy's an absolute beauty. Uh, Beef walking around with the Arby's logo on the on the shirt Amazing. is just Amazing. absolutely classic. He's got that hilarious-looking beard going. He mm-hmm. looks like the furthest thing in the world from a professional athlete. And he watched the whole Phil thing go down on the 13th hole on Saturday, mm-hmm. and he couldn't stop laughing. And he was just dying at the whole thing and said it was basically the craziest thing he's ever seen and uh, I, I just wish maybe that the rest of the golf world had the same reaction to it as beef. Well he was laughing that you know he was watching Phil do this and you know Phil runs after hits the putt and walks up to it marks it and says I'll wait and Beef says, wait, like what? The, with the great accent, too. He's just killing himself laughing. Oh, my God. It, it's the, that, guy, that guy is such a piece of work. And oh. he's got the great flat brim hat, too. Yeah. He swims way inside. And, but uh, just an absolute beauty. Yeah, yeah, absolute beauty. My weird this week is Tiger Woods. And his performance in the U.S. Open is mind-boggling. And I am not suggesting for a million years that he should have gone out and beaten Brooks Kepkin in one. Mm-hmm. In fact... You know, in the, in the spectrum of the golf community, I would be at the bottom end of the, you know, the Tiger guys, right? I'm not, I'm not saying he hasn't made huge strides. I'm not saying that I don't think he's now possible, uh, possibly capable of winning again. He might. I think it's got to be the right time, the right situation. I think he has come miles and miles in this comeback, uh, it just leaps and bounds better than what we've seen in the, in the previous mm. comeback attempts. But for a guy who for a decade was the strongest athlete in the world between the years, the strongest on the planet in any sport, mentally and emotionally, is now maybe the weakest. And I say that in all due respect, and I say it in, in a way that I don't believe 
a lot of Tiger's issues right now have anything to do with ball striking or mechanics and certainly not health. Uh, Overall, he put the ball in the fairway. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if I had told you that he was going to play from the fairway at the U.S. Open, you would have told me he has a great chance to win. That's always the the hang-up, right? But right on the first day on Thursday, Scully puts a ball in the fairway off the tee. He flights it perfectly into that first green, almost flights it too good underneath the wind and leaves himself in a very difficult situation beyond the green on Thursday. And from there, turns his brain off and makes a triple bogey from a spot that there's not a single professional golfer on the planet at any level, not a PGA Tour player, okay? A professional golfer at any level, club professional, McKenzie Tour, Mini Tour, Web.com, you name it, should not make seven from where Tiger made seven. There was no bad lie. There was no hazards. There was no penalty strokes. There was no rules violation. This was turn my brain off and make seven, and his week went from there. It was bizarre. Even So he hits that flop shot, his third shot, then his fourth shot. The broadcast comments as if he had hit his putt fat. Like he, he hit behind the ball, and it's with the putter, and he left it short, whirled back to his feet. So just a bizarre... Just bizarre for Tiger and those four putts. It's, like, come it's on. nerves, yeah. and the nerves stem from a lack of confidence at what he is doing mm-hmm. in the moment. He would not do that at the Medalist Club in Florida because there are no nerves nope. in play. Again, I'll say it again, it's like a guy trying to win for the first exactly. time, even though he has 79 of these mm-hmm. things under mm-hmm. his belt. All right, my what this week, Scully, and I don't think you're going to be too surprised at what my what is, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, and I'm going to keep screaming at the top of my lungs, and the reason I'm going to keep at it is because nobody is listening. In 2013, at Medina, a course that was not supposed to stand up to the modern golfer, a course short, shorter than 7,000 yards, a course that players were going to demolish. We had all the experts in the world predicting the lowest scores ever in U.S. Open history heading into Medina. One over par one, just like this week. But you know the difference between one over par winning at Medina and one over par winning at Shinnecock Hills? You didn't hear a single player. You heard the odd player complain about the rough, suggesting that the rough might be a little dangerous, wah, wah, wah. But there was nothing about being tricked up. We never heard things about unfair pin placements, about baking the greens, about losing the golf course. We never heard about any of that, even though the score, the winning score is the same on Sunday. And why? Because we had 25-yard fairways with penal rough versus 40-yard fairways. When you give these guys a target that big, they're going to demolish it. There's, there's, the, the recipe is simple. It doesn't need to be 8,000 yards. 8,000 yards got 16 under par a year ago, okay? You can't give them huge fairways. It just is not going to work. And I don't know wh- I don't know where we go from here. I just do not know where we go from here because Mike Davis is the man at the helm here. He is the leader of this thing. He is the CEO of the USGA. And you got to lead from the top. And and right now, and I'm not the only one calling out Mike Davis here on radio, TV, etc. Um, it was mentioned on the Golf Channel, on lo- the Live At coverage on Sunday evening, suggesting that there's obviously no leader- leadership at the USGA. Now I, I don't even know if I want. I don't even know if I want to go that far with this. 
And if you're wondering, by the way, if you're listening right now, why we haven't got to Adam Skelly and his winners weird and what yet, Adam has slipped out of the studio for a moment. So feeling a little under the weather, <laughs> Mr. Scully. So we're going to leave it at that. But I'm going to continue on my rant here on Mike Davis here because I could go for the next 90 minutes on the USGA. But here's the problem with this. There's a formula. There's a recipe that works. And they're ignoring it. So it's not like we're in search. And I, I'm going to ask Weeksy about this when he comes on in the second half. It's not like they are in search of the formula. It exists. So why the reluctancy to use it? It's not like they've got the greatest minds sitting around in a room trying to figure out what the problem is. And they keep throwing different formulas at the board, seeing if something sticks. They have the winning formula. Make the best players in the world, put it in the fairway, and if you want to take it to the next step, make the best players in the world not only put it in the fairway, but create themselves an angle in the fairway to open up certain hole locations. If you do that, at any professional golf tournament, you're going to pull back the score and you're going to make it more challenging. And for that matter, you're going to open it up to other players in the field other than just bombers. We see it every year at Hilton Head. We see it every year at the Valspar at Copperhead. We see it every year at the players' course, uh, the stadium course at Sawgrass. We have other golf courses in the world on an annual basis that show us that the formula works outside of just the U.S. Open and Marion, yet we never, ever go there. So I don't know if it's arrogance. I don't know if it's stubbornness. But sooner or later, Mike Davis and the USGA is going to have to wake up and go, Let's just use the formula that works and stop making our U.S. Open a complete joke. Scully, you feeling better, buddy? I'm good. Okay. So, you know what? I've ranted for about five minutes. I could keep going. I'm good. I could keep going. We can get into the whole distance (laughs) argument. Okay? But let's quickly do your winner's weird one. I won't get into the distance. The tea is yours. So, So what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball. You know, I think clearly just Mike Davis is making me sick. (laughs) 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 Yes. You missed the great win. Yeah, you know, the U.S. Open just gives me the flu. Anyway, uh, my winner this week, uh, Garrett Rank, a Canadian NHL referee, you know, doesn't make a fool of himself. He misses the cut, 83-75, but fully embraced the moment. He had cat calls from fans yelling, mash the Timbit. Uh, he says he, he'll be fully indebted to fans from the New York Islanders and the New York Rangers for yelling at him and say, hey, give the Penguins more penalties or don't penalize our <laughs> team enough. And an even better thing, or another cool thing with Garrett Rank, uh, so the USJ asked him be, to be a playing marker on Sunday. Yes. Because an odd number made the cut. Yeah. So he played with Beef. That's cool. And so uh, so he, he was talking to, with Beef about, uh, about the Phil fiasco on, on Saturday and, and uh, he told some cool stories. So it, it, great to see Garrett Rank, a Canadian, make the cut. And, of course, now he's playing in the Ontario Mid-Am Championship. Very so cool. To go from the U.S. Open to that is pretty uh, darn cool. My weird this week, what happened with Dustin Johnson's oh. putting? The last 36 holes, he couldn't pour it, put it in a bathtub if he was standing in front of him. Well, the, the first two rounds, 26 and 27 putts, T3, T5 overall. 
Then the third and final round of the 67 players who made the cut. He had 38 putts on Saturday. Yes, the greens were atrocious and fast, but still. 38 putts, T64. Final round, 35 putts, T63. It makes no sense, and it shows you how important, what the most important part of this game is, you know, yeah. when, when it all comes down. I can scream and yell about putting it in fairway. I think that's a great recipe for the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. I think the proof's in the pudding. It's there. But at the end of the day, it's usually the guy that makes the most putts. Unbelievable. And it looked like he had total control of the golf tournament through 36 holes. I was telling people he's going to win by seven, and guess he did not. Yeah, uh, we were wrong. We were very wrong. My what this week, uh, this goes back to Brooks Kepko. What a class act. Uh, his girlfriend, Jenna Sims, took some photos uh, in, in their local neighborhood of, of, uh, of little kids posting signs saying, good luck, Brooks, good luck, Brooks. And later that night when he flew home, he signed all of them. So just what a class act for Brooks Kepka and a, a two-time uh, U.S. Open champion. Yeah, a very good class act for sure, and uh, just showed great poise, and that's a great example mm-hmm. of, uh, of of just the way he carries himself. All right, on the other side, we're running a little late. Let's take a break. We'll get you caught up with uh, 20 Weeks of Taylor Made, set you up for Hour 2 of GTC, and uh, we're going to hear from Weeksy, and I'll throw him at him. Why? Uh, see, see if he can explain to me why the leadership of the USGA will not use uh, what is right in front of them, which is the blueprint on how to run a U.S. Open and get what everybody wants We'll see uh, Weeksy's take on that. Lots to get to. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura, was brought to you by JPSM Golf, Canada's leading distributor of electric walking golf trolleys, including Kart Tech, Moto Caddy, and Stewart Golf Dream Machines. Visit jpsmgolf.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. 20 weeks of TaylorMade is continuing. Still lots to give away. This week we gave away a set of M3 irons. This upcoming week, high toe wedge. Mm-hmm. So a TaylorMade high toe wedge, that's a wedge that uh, DJ's been winning with, Jason Day, uh, Rory's had it in the bag. The TaylorMade high toe uh, wedge, we're giving it away. The only way, however, that you can win is if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Golf Talk Canada. TV and radio, Golf Talk Canada TV and radio on YouTube. It is free to subscribe. So set up, sign in, and you have your chance at all those great prizes, including the grand prize, which is a custom set. Tailor-made golf clubs, <laughs> top to bottom, through the bag. You go through the custom fitting, the whole deal. It's the driver, the woods, the irons, the wedges, the whole deal. And you'll also get the Stewart X9 electric trolley. That package alone is close to eight grand, just our grand prize. So there's still a lot of reasons to sign up and uh, and it's easy involved. to do it too. It's easy to just do. subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's it. That's it. Simple. And your workout show, right? My workout show, the Bob Weeks cooking show on the run. On the run with Bob Weeks. And my and my cooking show, uh, Uber Eats, the app <laughs> on iPhone. Yeah, S- Scully, we only have a, a few minutes left here. Uh, in in our first hour, mm-hmm. why do you think? Because I cannot come up with an answer here. So Hilton had Valspar 
stadium course of Sawgrass. Annually put on great events. The first two, Hilton Head and Valspar, uh, two of the shortest course uh, uh, golf courses on tour, excuse me. And every year, the winner's like 9-under, 8-under, 10-under, not 20, 25. And they're not even set up like a major. They're just PGA Tour event. Mm-hmm. But a premium on putting the ball in the fairway and creating an angle to, to a pin. Why do you think all they do is scream about distance and how far the golf ball goes and da 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 da? Now they're talking about peeling back the golf ball and peeling it back for everybody, which means you know you have a friend out there that hits it uh, two hundred and forty some odd yards. They're going to lose close to fifty yards if they peel it back twenty percent, which is crazy. So your two hundred forty yard drive is now under two hundred yards. Why are they fixated on this distance? When the proof in the pudding is the opposite, what do you think's going on here? Well, and, and first of all, it's not only the ball. It, you know, it's all this driver technology that's going into it. These, these things go forever, and because they're made to go forever, uh, it, and these are just older, just old school golf courses that are just set up to you know not be seventy six hundred yards, and, and they're set up to have smaller greens and, and thicker rough around, it and to have up and tough up and downs, and to hit long irons and you know a six or seven iron versus a driver wedge. And and so these golf courses will never go away. I, I feel like it, it might just be the older school of media sort of thinking, oh, if if DJ's hitting seven iron two ten, you know that's an issue. We got to get roll it back to one one eighty. It's it's an issue in golf that I, I'm not really sure it's ever going to go away. To be honest, hmm. why do you think they won't take the obvious? Why do you think they just won't look at the proof of the pudding and go, hold on, we had a sixty nine hundred hundred yard U.S. Open golf course and one over par one. We had a, a 7,800-yard golf course and 1,600 par one. What was the difference here? It's obvious. So why do you think they won't go to that formula? I think I think the simple thing is is making you the president of the USGA. <laughs> it's just just <laughs> right then, right then and there. Right, it, but it, but seriously, it is bizarre though because like, it is. It's pretty black and white. It's crazy. Me. I don't understand the problem here. Yeah. You know, Hilton Head, Valspar, Marion. Stadium course Sawgrass. There is so much proof yeah. that if you put the best players in the world and make them find an angle, keep it in the short grass. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it's like it's like baseball, and I'm not a big baseball guy. But to use a, 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 an analogy for baseball, right? It's like playing little ball. Make them play little ball. Small ball, yeah. Small ball, right? Make them move the runners. Make them uh, steal bases. Make them, mm-hmm. you know, work for their runs. Yep. All they've done is, all they're doing is taking home run hitters and making home runs a more important part of the game. It makes no sense. If you want to uh, not make home runs the most important thing in the game, then stop stop giving them bigger ballparks. Yeah. All you do is make the longer hitters better mm-hmm. when you go bigger and wider. It makes no sense. Well, and as, as you said many times, you know, the fairways at Marion were 25 yards long. The fairways at, at Shinnecock were 40 at yeah. At Aaron Hills, there were 60. 60. It's, yeah. This is so simple. And, and, and the fairways at Aaron Hills were this hard, hard as rock. And when you got Brooks Kepka hitting 379-yard three right. woods, right. you know, that might be a little too hard. And too well, let fast. me ask you this. As we tie up the first hour of Golf Talk Canada, let me ask you this. And, like, by, all, by, by no means are you and I, Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson. Wow. I, am wow. not, I am not suggesting that. But just to bring it down to regular terms, two guys that, for the average golfer, hit the ball quite a long way, yep. 300 yards plus. Mm-hmm. Would you rather play a 500-yard par four that you can hit it anywhere 
or a 400-yard par 4 that feels like you're hitting it down a hallway? Well, me personally, I, I've I've grown up, you know, on a golf course with tree line. So I, I'm I'm the I'm the second. I, I'm the you second. You would prefer to would, hit yeah. it down a hallway. I, I really than would. Be able to hit I it really anywhere. would. See, I'm the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I would prefer to give me all the because hitting it far and solid is is never an issue. No, controlling my flight and my shape mm-hmm. is always the challenge. I, I feel like it's more, it's creative golf. It's different. What's, golf. What, I'm not saying what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. I'm saying what you're less scared of, not what you enjoy. See, what are you less scared? Where do you feel more confident, Scully? Well, sometimes with me, if there's a wide open fairway, I just try to swing it as hard as. As uh, you can, as hard as humanly possible, and spray it all over the place. Well, what is your handicap? I'm a five. All right, and I've played enough golf with you to know now to tell you this Uh-oh. on the air that <laughs> you should probably be more scared of the tree lined hole. I, I should be. I should be. I should be. <laughs> I know Mama Skelly's sitting at home right now, yeah. going, "Adam, are you kidding me, buddy?" Well, well and I got I, I Tybo on that. So Phil Mickelson had this great line uh, saying that to be a good golfer, you got to be really smart. Or really dumb. That's right. So let's just say uh, I might not be the sharpest tool. You're good looking, guys. So there you go. <laughs> All right, that does it for hour one. Stick uh, for another 60 minutes. We've got Bob Weeks. We got Joseph McLucky coming up next. Talk a little bit about a new M series for Moto Caddy. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, show archives, video highlights, and TV schedule, visit us online at golftalkcanada.ca. We'll be right back with more GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada Hour 2. Mark Sacchino in studio. Bob Weeks is going to join us uh, momentarily later on in this hour. Adam Scully in studio with me in for Bob Weeks. Uh, we were trying to get a hold of Joseph McLaughlin, who was trying, uh, uh, supposed to join us this evening, talk a little bit about this new M-Series product that has been released. We're having a hard time getting a hold of Joseph, so we hope everything's okay there. So, uh, But maybe, Scully, let's you and I take a quick look at this because we also just heard back from Garrett Rank. Yes, uh, yes. A surprise, cool. a surprise guest. So uh, Garrett Rank's going to join us. Uh, he was uh, very gracious to get back to me uh, in about uh, 10, 12 minutes' time. So uh, we'll get to talk to Garrett about... You know, the week that was, uh, I'm sure, one of the best weeks of his life, even though it didn't make the cut, and, and just the overall experience and the, the, the calls from the fans and, and uh, you know, being an NHL referee. I, I know there's a cool story. We actually ran 
uh, on That's Hockey with, when Garrett Rank gave Sidney Crosby a 10-minute misconduct earlier this year. So it was a great video. Well, I understand, I just got in my ear, that you and I don't have to break down this product profile of profile ourselves and take some guesses at this because our good friend uh, from uh, JPSM Golf, uh, Joseph McLucky, joining us now. Joseph, we found you. Uh, thank you for taking the time to, to do this uh, with us. Uh, how do I, let, let me ask you the quickly the nuts and bolts here. This M series uh, that has just been introduced for MotoCaddy, I've just read up on it over the last couple of days. There's a few different models. I see about you know four or five versions here. But the nuts and bolts of this to me is, is this the first time we've been able to get all the gadgets, the smart technology, working with the GPS, working with your smartphone, and get it in something so compact? This thing looks like it could like fit in my duffel bag. Um, well, you're right, Mark. It's not far off. So the original M-Series came out in... 2013 and um, obviously MotoCaddy being based in the UK it, it really set the category on its ear so no one had ever come up with a the M st- stood for micro and so no one had ever come up with it now since then everybody's followed as you know when you're the leader people tend to follow um, so the redesign has been a long time in the making and it was supposed to happen last year and the guys at MotoCaddy did a lot of work in saying, okay, well, we're going to do it. We're going to put it off here and get it right. So exactly. So you've got a cart that's now 11% smaller than the original M. It, sm- it folds up much, sm- much easier than the previous one. It was, I kind of nicknamed it the Rubik's Cube of folding motorized carts. Um, so it folds up much easier. But the biggest thing they did is they went from 12-volt electronics over the last few years, people have gone to 24-volt electronics, and this is now 28-volt electronics. What it means is battery power. You can cram a much more powerful battery into a much smaller compartment. So it's been really cool. I saw it for the first time about a month ago, and uh, we put it up on our website last Monday, and the pre-orders are already off the charts. Yeah, it's available so, for pre-order right now, and, and and I guess delivery in July. JPSMGolf.com if you want to check it out. Um, I see five different categories here, starting at twelve fifty and, and capping out at fifteen ninety nine, sixteen hundred dollars uh, to twelve fifty, which is uh, price point uh, very aggressively, uh, Joseph, for what you're getting. Uh, we don't have time to break down every single model, but can you give us an idea of what you would get in the entry versus the top of the food chain in, in this series, so that uh, people know what they may or may not get, you know, in terms of everything in between? Because there's a lot of bells and whistles in that M5 Connect DHC. Yeah. So, so the M1, basically, your basic push the button, dial it up and down, and off you go. And then when you get all the way up to the M5 Connect DHC, you've got integrated GPS. You've got a downhill control. So if you're going down a hill, you could let go of the cart and it won't speed up. So, And that's one of the strategies with MotoCaddy is to have a model and a price point to meet every golfer's wants and needs. And so we've really covered it with with this new range. And even down the road, and it probably won't be this year, but we had the S7 remote in the S-series range, it will ultimately move to the M platform, and it's probably going to be uh, for 2019. So, again, it's as you know, with, with clubs and technology and everything's changing, 
um, really what we're just trying to do is meet every golfer's needs. But as you and I have talked about, this is actually a product that really can improve your game because it's allowing you to take energy away from pushing a cart or carrying your clubs, certainly keeping you off a cart, not getting the exercise, and really focusing on your game, or as we say, you know, focusing on your next shot and enjoying the walk. And with the the GPS in this uh, model, the Bluetooth, the connection with your smartphone, um, like kind of like really all the bells and whistles. To be honest, the only thing, the only step to go in this M series would be the remote. It, would it not, Joseph? Like that's that's really the only place you can go left in this M line. That's how much is packed in these four or five models. Yeah, absolutely. And and you and I have had the discussion when we played last summer. I think you used an F three. Um, is, you know, while in Canada or North America and really Canada, North America, or the U.S. and Australia, remote people think, well, if I have one of these, it has to be remote. But globally, remote sales are 3 to 5% of, of the, the business. People, you know, in the U.K., 60% of people use a motorized trolley because you don't have riding carts, but the percentage of remotes is about 2%. So while absolutely for us the, the, the move will be an M7, It'll be called the M7 remote. Um, it'll just naturally evolve there. Still, there's a lot of people that just don't want to have to push their clubs up a hill, pull them up down a hill. Um, so it, it is cool technology. The, the thing we say and with our new catchphrase, enjoy the walk, we just want to get people out playing the game of golf and really you know, getting exercise and not wasting energy, both physical and mental. Uh, Joseph, uh, before we let you go, just a couple of quick things. I want your thoughts on the U.S. Open, but uh, last time we spoke, and I always love good news stories in the world of golf because we always hear the doom and gloom. There's so many writers out there and bloggers out there that are always, wah, 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 the sky is falling. I talk to you and I hear uh, all these great stories about uh, business great, people happy with the product, people getting healthy and walking. We still having a great 2018. Well, it's it's actually been been almost fringing on unmanageable for us. So we've already sold more Stewart trolleys this year than we sold all of last year. So if you think about it, you've got a twenty five hundred dollar and a thirty five hundred dollar price point, and we've already sold more. We've we're sold out right now, but we have another container arriving next next week. We introduced the Cartech line again. We've sold more of those so far this year than we're sold in Canada in the last three years. Um, and I think finally our message has taken hold. Obviously, we, you know, we're partners with Golf Talk Canada. You know, we're partners with TSN, so we were all over the, the U.S. Open this weekend. And then we have another national TV campaign. So people are finally, we're getting in front of people, getting the message across, and it's resonating, and it's translating into business for us our retail partners, and our golf clubs, which is really exciting. Joseph, quickly, before we let you go, um, why can't the USGA get this right? I'm mean, assuming you watched the coverage over the over the week. Why, what, why the circus? Why the obsessiveness on wide fairways and big golf courses and then trick them up? Well, I replied to one of your tweets, and I think if I can remember, I said that all it was missing on Saturday, some of those greens, was a clown's nose and a windmill. <laughs> so if you two-putted, you got a free game. And, and But as I said in the tweet, is if you play with fire and you put something on the edge, you're going to get burned. What disappoints me is when they get burned, they're looking for somebody to blame, the weather, the wind, the whatever. I, I almost think the USGA sets it up to almost embarrass professional golfers, whereas, you know, I'm Scottish. You look at the way they set up an open course. 
they set it up and then they let mother nature take its course so it might get wet it might but they're not trying to defend score they're trying to let the players play the best in the condition they've set up whatever it may be but they don't put it on the edge so i think that the usga and i'm a little bit biased on this i think that it's almost like a lot of american things is that they go to extremes and it's 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 it, there's no mid ground and i think it's really unfortunate um, I don't bl- agree with Brandel Chambly too often, but I think he hit it right on the head this weekend where he said they've lost a lot of credibility, and I don't know what they're going to do to get it back. Well, it's going to be a big uphill climb, and I think you're right. Joseph, uh, I'm on the road for the next few weeks. When I'm back, I'll reach out. Let's play golf. Let's uh, figure out uh, how to get more of this, uh, showcase some of this product maybe on Golf Talk Canada Television. Thanks for doing this with me tonight. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. Joseph McLucky. It's jpsmgolf.com, jpsmgolf.com. Coming up next, special guest out of the blue. Didn't even know we had him tonight. Thanks to master producer Adam Scully, Garrett Rank, fresh off Shinnecock Hills, joining us on Golf Talk Canada. This is GTC. This segment of GTC, presented by Acura, was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Premier golf in a perfect natural setting close to home. Limited membership available for 2018. Don't be shut out. Visit cedarbraygolf.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino in studio. Bob Weeks on the road this week after leaving the U.S. Open. Bob will call in a little later in the show. We'll get Bob's final thoughts on the U.S. Open. Adam Scully in studio with me. And joined on the phone now by a last-minute surprise guest off a great week at Shinnecock Hills. I know uh, wanted to play the weekend, but just to get in this event, I feel like I'm introducing Superman in a way, Adam, <laughs> because, you know, uh, Clark Kent was a mild-mannered reporter by day, but Superman by night. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett Rank by day, NHL referee by night, also world-class golfer. So, Garrett, thanks so much for squeezing us in. I know this has been a crazy week. Week. I know you've had a ton of attention, media attention, a lot of support from the New York crowd, and it was hectic, but really appreciate you uh, taking the time and putting a bow on this for us for Golf Talk Canada. No problem, guys. Uh, my pleasure. What an un- unbelievable experience last week at uh, Shinnecock Hills in the U.S. Open, and uh Obviously, would have liked to play a little bit better, but a great week nonetheless. Yeah, that being said, though, uh, you have played in a lot of uh, high-profile tournaments uh, in the past, uh, professional and amateur. All that being said, what Mother Nature threw at Shinnecock Thursday, is there anything you can do as a golfer to prepare for that? I don't think so. I think uh, I think I could have really been a little bit stronger mentally. I had a bit of a shock to the system on the first or on the the tenth hole, my first hole of the day, when I chipped it off the green. Uh, just a downwind chip. Uh, the green's running a couple feet faster, and had uh, kind of really firmed out the course overnight, uh, blowing all night. Uh, we played four practice rounds all in different winds, and then all of a sudden you play Thursday in a 30-mile-an-hour wind that you hadn't seen before. So it was a bit of a shock to the system for me and obviously for a lot of other guys as well. 
Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, but but Garrett, for you, walking onto the range or, or seeing any players, was there like a, a an aha moment or a wow moment or a holy crap moment? There's Tiger Woods or there's Jordan Spieth or you know there's Rory McIlroy. Yeah, there was there was probably a handful of those moments all week. Uh, I remember on Monday leaving uh, leaving the course or walking off the 18th hole, and you've got to kind of walk past the clubhouse in the 14th tee, and Tiger Woods was playing with Steve Stricker and. Just the amount of people on a Monday watching Tiger play was uh, pretty cool, and um, being able to walk alongside of him on the same course, I grew up idolizing Tiger, and he was dominating the sport in my teen years. Uh, my brother and I met Mr. Nicholas on the putting green. Uh, I spent some time talking to Jason Day about the Columbus Blue Jackets. He's a big hockey fan and lives in Columbus. Uh, I had lunch with Wayne Gretzky, which is really neat. Uh, so, yeah, uh, overall, I, I met a lot of really cool people and had a lot of fun. Uh, overall, just impression of uh, Shinnecock Hills. Would you be, I know, obviously, you heard a lot of uh, complaining probably this week and, and some whining from some of the other players uh, and, and guys suggesting, especially on the Saturday, the course went over the edge, etc. cetera. Uh, however, all that being said, Shinnecock Hills is one of the all-time classics uh, in terms of USGA venues. Um, just overall impressions of the golf course, minus maybe what the USGA uh, uh, did to it. Is it is a place that y- you know you'd like to see under normal conditions? Yeah, I saw one of uh, the the best players in the world. Uh punch a sign as hard as he could in the locker room and slam his locker after he missed the cut and, uh, <laughs> that, that was that was kind of a kind of a cool thing to see just you know how frustrated he was from the course and um, the golf course itself was spectacular uh, I mean I I played uh, I played Sunday in, in really nice conditions as a non-playing uh, competitor as a marker for Andrew Beef Johnson in the first group off and uh, I think they laid a lot of water on the course after Saturday. I, I wasn't out there, um, never really saw any of it, just watched a little bit of coverage on TV, but it looked like it was playing pretty, uh, pretty tough. Thursday and Friday, Friday afternoon, uh, the wind kind of laid down, and it was an enjoyable round. I, I played pretty solid golf. I would have been really happy with a 72 or a 73. I made a couple little silly mistakes that led to a 75, but... I think the first day, just with uh, with the weather conditions and how windy it was, just made it really hard. Um, in my opinion, probably a top five course in in the U.S., if not North America, maybe a top ten, top uh, twenty course in the world. It's uh, it was a really special place. The views and just uh, the old school layout that it had was uh, was really world class. You mentioned playing as a marker with uh, Beef Johnson. Obviously, he was playing with Phil uh, the day before when uh, when the fiasco happened on that 13th hole. First of all, what was it like playing with Beef? Uh, we've only heard that he's just an, an unbelievable and uh, hilarious guy. And what do you have to say about the whole uh, the whole Phil uh, incident? Beef was a great guy. Couldn't have had more fun with him on Sunday. He was really interested in hockey. We talked uh, European football, so soccer, uh, what we call it. And uh, um, just everybody... I, I was treated like a bit of a rock star all week and uh, with everybody yelling, let's go ref, uh, and everybody yelled beef every time you walked by, so that was kind of funny, and he was a great guy. I didn't want to breach the uh, Phil subject, 
But as we were walking off the first hole to uh, the second tee, he looked at me and said, did you see what happened yesterday? So I knew it was a fair game for the rest of the day. But the one cool or funny story I will tell you from that whole situation is he uh, he mentioned that he was standing on the green and Phil had just uh, putted it down, chipped it back up, and it was about to putt back down before he hit it again. And um, he just said uh, he walked over to the ball was standing over, put his coin down, looked at looked at Beef, and just set, marked his ball and said, "I'll wait." <laughs> and Beef thought that was like the like the like funniest thing ever after what he just did. That he just had the like the calmness just to like put his ball marker down and 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 say, "You go ahead, I'll wait here," and, and then try to finish later. Uh, Garrett, what's the rest of the season look like for you in terms of uh, what's on the calendar for golf? And part two of that question, how far can you go into the summer, into the fall with obviously uh, your your full-time NHL uh, refing gig, uh, I guess coming back in, in September, I would assume. So how, how far do you plan out and what's coming up? Um, I, I'm playing the GAO uh, men's mid-amateur this week at Burlington. Uh, the first round was today and uh, I was really happy that I beat my score by 19 shots in the first round of the event. <laughs> uh, uh, then I'm playing. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get a sponsor's exemption because of last week into uh, uh, the PJ Tour Canada event down uh, at Ambassador Golf Club in Windsor. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, play the Ontario Amateur at St. Thomas and um, play the uh, Canadian Am, the US Am, the Canadian Mid Am. and hopefully uh, be able to play the uh, U.S. Man-M as well, but it might conflict with hockey season. Uh, at the end of August, uh, or well, the beginning of August, I'll start training for hockey season, and um, our training camp starts uh, September 10th, and before you know it, uh, we're right into exhibition games. So you mentioned hockey season there. I was fortunate to, to cut a piece on That's Hockey last week where, where Bob Weeks was talking about you, and we aired it on That's Hockey, and, and we showed the instant where you gave Sidney Crosby a 10-minute uh, misconduct, which, gave a, which, was, uh, which was pretty cool. What was that moment like for you to, to have uh, sit up in your face like that? I actually was shaking. I was going to lose my job, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I think uh, I think in a moment like that, I gave him uh, three chances, and uh, you know, if I if I didn't step up uh, and and do something about it, it, it would have looked really bad on our staff. So, um, you know, you never want to you never want to make yourself bigger than the game, or you know, obviously set the set the best player in the game, and arguably one of the best players to ever play the game in the box for ten minutes, but. Um, he apologized uh, later on in the season and, and totally understand, understood uh, why, why I gave him the penalty. Garrett, uh, congratulations on a great week. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. And, and you know, we'll be following you and, and, and uh, cheering you on the rest of the summer and some of these high-profile events that you'll be playing in. And, uh, and do me a favor uh, this fall. Take it easy on the blue and white, okay? You know, Leafs Nation, okay? Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Right. Thanks, Garrett Rank. Uh, coming off a great week, and uh, he sounds like he's in great spirits. He sounds like he enjoyed uh, his time there immensely. And, uh, you know, obviously competitor and a great player, playing a high-profile game on many different levels, wanted to be there for the weekend just like all these guys did. But at the end of the day, uh, great attitude and, and, and obviously uh, cherish the week at Shinnecock. All right, on the other side, we're going to hear from Bob Weeks calling in, and we're going to tackle some of these things. I will ask Bob, point blank, why ignoring the formula, Scully? Why will they not 
just do what is obviously needs what obviously needs to be done to the U.S. Open to get it back on track. We'll find out from Weeksy what his opinion is next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Premier golf in a perfect natural setting close to home. Limited memberships are still available for 2018. Don't be shut out. Visit cedarbraygolf.com today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and new Tour 360. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakito and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, as we are still talking U.S. Open, but we have yet to touch base this evening with this man, my co-host, just landed, I believe, in Calgary. He's all over the place this week, and I'm about to hit the road myself. Jeez, Bob, I just we just don't stop. Weeksy, how are you? How was the flight? Oh, very easy. No, no problems at all. You know, just sat in the middle seat in the last row, and uh, <laughs> and uh, no, it was all good. Everything's good. We're on our way. We're on our way to shoot another one of those commercials for the fine folks at Asante. So we'll. Uh, We'll get that done here in the next couple of days. Okay, before we get into Phil and before we get in uh, into Kepka's performance, um, I broke this down tonight with Skelly. I don't know why. Uh, why is the USGA, Bob, so stubborn on not using the formula that obviously works? And I, I used examples like Marion, which you know I'm sure you're sick of hearing, but I also use examples like Valspar and Hilton Head and how being wider and longer is not protecting anything and the proof's in the pudding. Is this incompetence? Is this arrogance? Is there something I'm missing? You know, it's. Uh, I, I think it is their desire to try and get as close to the edge as they can, um, but not erring on, on the side of caution. And, you know, like in, if you look at both 2004 at Shinnecock and this year at Shinnecock, both times, you know, they got, they got beat up by the weather. And in, in both circumstances, they tried to take the golf course um, as close to the edge as they could without getting over it. And, and both times it's disaster. And then they don't, in other, other situations, you know, they're self-inflicted wounds. The whole thing in, at Oakmont with Dustin Johnson with not letting him know if he had a penalty or not, that would seem to be a simple thing. You either have a penalty or you don't have a penalty. But you can't let a guy keep playing golf holes not knowing what his score is. Or at Chambers Bay, we want to go to a new golf course, but maybe we should try – you know, and, and make sure that the grass is going to be okay before we go there and not look like cauliflower. Um, it's, it, to me, it's just lack of, uh, it's, I think it's bad luck, some of it, in certain cases, but I think it's also just a lack of uh, attention to detail or of caution. And, and I think in this situation, when you have such an important golf tournament, you know, you have to be cautious about what you're doing. You have to give air on the side of, of going too easy rather than too hard. And they just never seem to do it. And as I said, you know, um, uh, earlier to you today, Mark, you know, Henrik Stenson had the best line. They just never fail to fail. Mm, They just never fail to fail. So I guess my follow-up to this, Bob, would be, 
is it just a matter of maybe you know people not being prepared to do this once or twice or three times a year unlike the PGA Tour that does this week in week out and maybe they just need more people like that hands on that are used to this and and do have familiarity with this week in and week out but then the flip side of that coin or flip side of that argument would be well geez the other majors seem to handle it and do it fine just once a year you know they there's 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 also a point of this theory to me and what you just described as there are so many people, so many cooks in the kitchen when they're setting up a golf course, including the chief executive officer. Well, you know, I don't know how many companies where the chief executive officer would be doing a job like that. It's an important job, obviously, but I don't think Mike Davis should be out setting up the golf course. You know, you have to leave that to one or two people, not six people. And on Sunday, there were 12 people. And some of them have experience working on the PGA Tour. Um, but, you know, I think you designate someone like the PGA does and Kerry Haig and say, you're going to be the guy who's in charge. Go and get some feedback from the players. Find out what they think. Maybe take a couple of players who are willing to come out and do a test run a year before. Um, get some ideas. Get some indications of where the weather are. You are the guy in charge of it, and it's your butt on the line. Not having six or eight guys there all walking around and bumping into each other trying to set up this golf course. Now, earlier today, Bob, we shot our one-hour U.S. Open uh, wrap-up special. You asked me uh, regarding Phil Mickelson, if it was up to me, would I have disqualified Phil? And you and I didn't really have a ton of time to get into it. But, uh, you know, I kind of went with the, at the time, they had to make a decision. At the time, the information they had was uh, simply that he uh, made a stroke at a moving ball, which gives them the ability to use 14-5, and they hit him with a two-stroke penalty, and they moved on. It wasn't until after the fact, after the tournament in post-round, that you know Phil tried to be the smartest guy in the room and come up with some story about, in- about he was intentionally trying to do this or that. So uh, regardless of that, maybe if I had had that information or felt like that was a possibility earlier, maybe I would have DQ'd him. I don't know. In my opinion, I would try to use every tool I had at my disposal before I tried to disqualify a player of any status, whether it be Phil Mickelson or somebody you wouldn't know. I never had the opportunity to go back to you with that today on television. Did they get this right? What did you think when you saw it? And would you have DQ'd Phil? Um, You know, having, having earlier just said about the Dustin Johnson thing, when they didn't make a decision quick enough, it's kind of hard now to turn around and fault them for making it uh, making a decision that was quick. And I think, you know, I mean, it, at least they made a decision. At least they put a stake in the ground and said, this is what we decided. We looked at the ruling. We told him after a couple of holes and said, you know, it's going to be a 10. It's a two-stroke penalty. So you give him credit for that. Um, in my mind, though, however, it, it, it wasn't quite as they described it. I think there was some room to, to say this is a serious breach under Rule 1-2, I believe it is. Um, because I don't think he took, a, he took a stance when he made that swing, and and I don't know. I just I I just think that it was a mockery of the rules, and I think it, you know it would have been great if Phil had come off and said, um, you know what, I lost a gasket, I blew it, I did something that a lot of weekend warriors do, and I I thought that I might do that sometime in the future, but I was so frustrated with my putting, find me, and I'm I'm really embarrassed about it. That would have been fine, end of story, and everyone could have probably related to him because we've all done that on Saturday morning, but. In my mind, yes, he probably should have been disqualified, but I will, I will, rightly or wrongly, at least give some credit to the USGA for saying, look, we made a decision. 
and this is the one we're going with. Yeah, I, you know, I think you're right. I think it was m- more about how he handled it afterwards instead of just owning up and saying, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed, you know, shouldn't have happened. I, I think the the colorful story around it added fuel to the fire. It reminded me a little bit uh, to a lesser degree of uh, John Daly back at Pinehurst many years ago, hitting the ball as it was rolling back to his feet down one of those Donald Ross uh, uh, turtle back greens as the ball was rolling back to him. Now, uh, John Rahm, uh, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Tiger Woods, Jason Day. Are you shocked at the amount of great players and world-class players that should have been in the mix that didn't make it to the weekend, Bob? And uh, I know you're more surprised about Jason Day uh, uh, than any of them, as am I, because we really liked him in this championship. But the one I'm concerned about is Jordan Spieth. Where where do these guys go from there? Uh, Agreed that Jason Day was the biggest surprise. Uh, The bigger... Maybe the only bigger surprise was the number of world-class guys. I think five or seven or something inside the top 20 in the world ranking, if you go down to, to 19. Um, to me, it's just kind of like stunning that, that all these guys. Now, the weather was bad on, on Thursday and took a lot of guys out, and some of those guys got the worst of it um, on the Thursday-Friday timing and stuff because you know some of them had to play a little bit in the rain on Friday as well. But uh, Jordan Spieth, the further he goes, without the more tournaments he plays, without showing some kind of form or consistency, to me, is is concerning. As I've said this a hundred times, I think I think he's just too good a player to keep playing this poorly. But at some point, you know, you, you're just gonna wait for him to to kind of click. You gotta wait for it to turn on and say, "Yep, there's the Jordan Spieth we saw." And maybe it'll come this week at Travelers where he won. Maybe it'll come at the Open Championship where he won. So. You know, there's some opportunities here for him to kind of play on some good vibes and, and, and some good locations where he's, he's won before. But um, the longer it goes, the more concern I have. Is 18 holes on Sunday, Bob, at Bay Hill uh, giving Rory a pass on everything else we've seen? Because to me, you take away that 18 on Sunday at Bay Hill and there isn't much difference between what we've seen from Rory uh, versus what we've seen from Jordan. Uh, and for some reason, you know, Jordan is getting a lot of heat from from yours truly, from yourself, a lot of uh, dialogue, a lot of focus. Yet it almost seems like Rory's bad play is going under the radar. Is it simply that 18 holes at Bay Hill that is kind of giving him a free pass? Or is it that we have lowered our standards for Rory McIlroy? Well, it's, um, yeah, I mean, don't forget, he also, he, he's put himself in contention a few other times. Like, don't don't forget, he had three good rounds of the Masters before he fell apart. And I don't think we can underestimate the, how good uh, he was at Bay Hill. So, you know, he has had some bad outings, but, you know, you get a win. And, and I, our expect, I, I mean, our expectations on Rory are very high, obviously, and with good reason. He's won a bunch of majors. He's been in the top uh, player in the world for a number of years. So, um, maybe what you said was right, that we kind of have to lower our expectations and realize that these guys can't play this good all the time all you know, for, for so many years. But every time you hear him, you, know, you just think he's going to come out and, and do something. And when you win and you, when, you, when you get yourself in contention at the Masters, when you win at Bay Hill, those things kind of say, okay, he's back or he's, he's close to being back. And then it sort of falls off the cliff 
like he does this week at the at the U.S. Open. Bob, before uh, we say goodbye and, and let you go, we, we did not speak of Brooks Kepka, which uh, is our champion and a back-to-back champion. And um, I, I'm just curious as your take on this because uh, the way I look at this victory is that when he won it at Aaron Hills, uh, he displayed a, a great arsenal of physical gifts. This time around... To me, it was a great display of mental and emotional control, a different way of winning a U.S. Open on a different venue. Does his display of how strong he is between the ears, how good a putter he is, how how much in control he was around this golf course, does it change how you maybe feel about what the ceiling is for now Brooks Koepka, number four in the world, and now maybe the ceiling's much higher than we thought it was? I think so. I think if you look at the two courses he's won on now, you look at Aaron Hills, it's a great big wide open ballpark, uh, you know, a, a, a power player's yard. This this time around was not. This time was, yes, you needed some power, but you needed more of a complete game, I think, than you did last year. And I think that's what Brooks Kepka showed. In our one-on-one interview uh, after the round, he talked about how he felt he was one of the most underrated putters on the PGA Tour. He's very bold in saying that. And he also talked about how, you know, he did not take the typical route to the PGA Tour. He, he's an American, went over and played on the Challenge Tour in Europe, uh, won there, played on the European Tour and won there, and then came over to the PGA Tour and, and never won until his last year in college. I mean, he's, he's kind of played in the trenches for a long time, and I think that toughened him up mentally. So as you pointed out, you know, he's a very strong mental player now. He's also got, a, I think, a complete arsenal. He's He's you know, very similar to what, what we see about uh, Dustin Johnson, who was a, a guy who was a power player and now has a complete game. And, and I think you're going to see uh, Brooks Kepka now rise up and, and be a, uh, a competitor. I don't know how many majors he'll win, but I think you'll see him at least contend for more majors than he has in the past few years. Bob, when we were walking off set today, you told me your new golf clubs have arrived and you were bringing them with you on this trip <laughs> out west. Did you bring the golf clubs? They are, I'm, I'm leaning on them. They're, they're in the car here right now. I've got my arm around them. And I, I haven't even taken the wrappers off the irons. I'm going to do that on the first tee tomorrow. Well, that's great. You have a great trip. I am off to Hartford. I will see you back in studio Monday for Golf Talk Canada Television. And enjoy your time out west. Safe travels. And uh, I know it was a super long day and a long week. So thanks for uh, calling, uh, calling me and, uh, and chewing some fat. Always good to chat. Always good to chat. We'll see you next week. Have a great time in Hartford. Thanks, Bob. Take care. Bob Weeks out west uh, shooting some of those Asante ads that uh, look great. Visiting some wonderful golf courses around uh, Canada in in those spots. And uh, I hope Bob enjoys his new weapons from TaylorMade. That'll be good. We're going to take our last break. On the other side, we'll get you caught up on some things uh, that are GTC and wrap up today's show. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Adidas Golf and new Tour 360. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. This segment of Golf Talk Canada presented by Acura is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit muskokabayresort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Uh, You know what I forgot to do? I forgot the Muskoka Bay 
golf giveaway. We got to give away some free golf. So we're going to give you a trivia question right now. And the first correct answer, 870-1050. It's 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. First correct answer wins a free round of golf at the Muskoka Bay Club. Question is this. Brooks Kepka just became a back-to-back U.S. Open champion. Hasn't been done in 29 years. Who was the last person to win back-to-back U.S. Opens prior to Brooks Kepka. 29 years ago, we're looking for the individual who won back-to-back U.S. Open titles. Call us, 416-870-1050. First correct caller wins a free round of golf at Muskoka Bay Club. PGA Tour is in Hartford, Connecticut. That's where I'm headed for the Travelers Championship. It is at TPC River Highlands. Great field. We got five Canadians in the field. Corey Connors, Nick Taylor, uh, Ben Silverman, Adam Hadwin. Who am I forgetting? Mac Hughes. So five Canadians in the field at TPC River Highlands. And we also have got Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, Bubba Watson. Uh, just a real stellar field here at uh, TPC River Highlands. So looking forward to uh, getting the call, getting back inside the ropes, slapping on the gear, and giving you four days of live play-by-play for PGA Tour Radio. And that kicks off on Thursday. So I'm looking forward to that as well, uh, 20 Weeks TaylorMade continues. We're still giving away well over $10,000 worth of prizing, including the grand prize, full set of TaylorMade clubs, custom fit, top to bottom, the full gear, the full shebang, accompanied with a Stewart X9 excuse me, electric trolley. The grand prize alone is near $8,000. So the grand prize alone, nearly eight grand. Lots of this to give away still. The only way you can win is if you subscribe uh, to us on YouTube, Golf Talk Canada TV and Radio on YouTube. That's Golf Talk Canada TV and Radio on YouTube. It's free. Subscribe. Great content and great chances to win. I will not be here next week. I will be around for Golf Talk Canada television next week. And don't forget our one-hour U.S. Open recap special airs tomorrow. And it'll repeat throughout the week on TSN. It's a one-hour everything you wanted to know about the U.S. Open. And tons of controversy. And Bob and I get into it. There's also some great interviews. Interview with Brooks Kepka. We hear from Adam Hadwin. We hear from Mackenzie Hughes. So it's a great one-hour episode. And uh, you should check that out. I'll be back next week on TV with Bob. But off for radio, Bob will be in the host chair next week for radio. And Adam Scully in the co-host chair as yours truly off to Scotland. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Doing the northern loop of Scotland. 16 of us going to play some golf. Starting in Glasgow. Kicking it off with Royal Troon. Then we're hitting Royal Dornock, Castle Stewart, Royal Aberdeen. Trump International, Cruden Bay, Glen Eagles on our way back to Glasgow for Turnberry and home. If that isn't a good road, I don't know what is. But I got to earn my uh, earn my keep before I get there. We got a long week in Hartford, which will be a lot of fun in the heat calling some golf. But that is a very, very uh, solid Rota of golf courses. In fact, I think that, let me see there, there, there's Troon. There's two open championship rotas right uh, on the rota right there. We got Royal Troon and Turnberry, part of the British Open rotation, and uh, and a bunch of courses that could be and should be. In fact, I think Royal Dornock, anywhere between fourth and eighth 
on the best in the world list, depending on are you going with Golf Digest, are you going with uh, Golf Magazine, whose list are you going with? Anywhere between four and eight in the world, Royal Dornock. So looking forward to that trip incredibly. And then, of course, Bob and I and Adam and the team here at Golf Talk Canada will start to gear up for what is going to be a very busy July. We have the Open Championship. And, of course, our own national championship, the Canadian Open, which uh, all signs point to it being the last Canadian Open at Glen Abbey. And, of course, we'll have one-hour shows surrounding the Open Championship as well as a Canadian Open. And then Bob and I, of course, will be on site for the RBC Canadian Open. So looking forward to a busy July and a busy summer here on Golf Talk Canada. Thanks to Adam Scully pulling double duties tonight. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to Bob Weeks calling in from Alberta after a very long day and a very long week. If you are listening to us on TSN 1050 in Toronto, Andy McNamara up next with CFL Weekly. And for the rest of you listening around the country and online and on other TSN radio markets, thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, show archives, video highlights, and TV schedule, visit us online at GolfTalkCanada.ca.